Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe. This episode is brought to you by the top podcast app, the Podbean Podcast app. You can get instant updates of my new episodes on the app, and it's free and has great features to let you easily discover, listen to, and even publish a podcast. Whether you use an iPhone or an Android device, this app is the one for your podcast needs. Get the Podbean Podcast app now on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Enjoy more from the podcasts you love. And so on with today's episode. The Myths of the Norse, Chapter 12, Otter's Ransom. Many years before Loki accidentally killed an otter, a king lived in Denmark. He was called Sigmund and he was the son of Folsung. Sigmund had a son called Sinfiotli and then married Borghild of Bralund and they had two sons, Helgi and Hamund. Helgi was killed by his brother-in-law Dag with a spear given by Odin. Sinfiotli was a bit of a rake and he consorted with many women. Unfortunately, one of the women he had his eye on was also being wooed by his stepmother Borghild's brother. Being a bit of a hothead, Sinfiotli killed his step-uncle. Borghild, of course, was furious, but was forced by convention, a little like Hreidmar, to accept payment as compensation. Anger and fury welled up in the bereaved sister, and she plotted her revenge. At the funeral for her dead brother, Borghild carried around the ale to serve to the guests. She served Sinfiotli first. He looked at the ale slightly quizzically and frowned at Sigmund. Father, he said, this ale looks a bit cloudy. Sigmund was a man of few words, and he simply took the horn of ale and swigged the lot. Borghild looked startled and watched her husband with a terrified look on her face. After a minute or two, she turned and fetched another horn filled with the same cloudy ale and gave it to her murdering stepson, who was still a little unsure about how it might taste. Again, Sigmund took the horn from his son and downed its contents without taking a breath. A third ale-filled horn was handed by Borghild to Sinfiotli, This time he grasped hold of it and, like his father, drank the entire vessel in one. Immediately he consumed the ale, he dropped down dead on the spot. He had been poisoned by it. Sigmund, it seems, had such a strong constitution, the poison didn't touch him. The king carried his dead son down to a long, narrow fjord where there was a small ship with a man on it. Sinfiotli was laid down on the ship and pushed out to sea. Sigmund turned around sadly and went home. The king lived in Denmark for a long time before travelling south to the place we now call France. There he married Jordis, daughter of King Eilimi. They had a son who they named Sigurd. After a few years of happiness, Sigmund was killed in a battle by the sons of Hunding. Jordis married Alf, son of King Hjelprek of Thjod, and he adopted Sigurd as his own. Sigmund was a man of almost superhuman strength and courage. His sons were much the same but the greatest of them was Sigurd. The child grew up into the most feared and fearless war leader in the world, and the greatest of all men. So, just to recap from last time. Hredmar had accepted red gold as compensation for the killing of his son Otter. The vast quantity of red gold handed to him by Odin, Loki and Honir included a ring made by the dwarf Anfari, which he had personally cursed. He who owned it cursed the dwarf would be destroyed by it. None of this seemed to bother Hreidmar, though, as he surveyed his newly acquired wealth. His two sons were equally pleased, and confidently waited for Hreidmar to give them their share. When he failed to offer them any of his riches, they demanded some. He refused. Either he was not one to give any credence to the odd deadly curse, or the curse itself rendered him deaf to its power. 
the curse worked its black magic. Fafnir and Regin agreed that their father was not being fair and therefore he must die. They waited for Hreidmar to fall asleep that very night and then Fafnir ran a sword through him. And Vari's curse had taken its first victim within 24 hours of Hreidmar acquiring the deadly ring. Fafnir collected up all of Hreidmar's red gold. Like his father before him, he didn't immediately offer to share the inheritance. Regin began to wonder what was going on, but aware of the curse, decided to ask his sister for advice before confronting Fafnir. His sister, Lincade, told him that he should ask Fafnir outright for his fair part of the treasure. This he did, but Fafnir refused to hand over any of it, saying he had killed Hreidmar and therefore he deserved all of the gold. Instead of sharing, Fafnir took rather drastic steps to avoid giving a single ingot. He took Hreidmar's helmet, known as the Helmet of Dread, and put it on his head. The helmet terrified all living creatures. He took a sword called Hroti. He then took himself off to a place called Ganita Heath and turned himself into a dragon. He made a lair for himself and placed the gold inside it. Then he settled his fire-breathing serpent form down on his precious and waited to defend it. Regin travelled far and wide after failing to receive his part of the inheritance. In the end, he arrived in the land of Thjod, where he became smith to the King Hjalprek. King Hjalprek had a young, fine-looking and powerful step-grandson called Sigurd. Regin and Sigurd became friends, even though Regin was quite a lot older than the hero. Regin, of course, had other motives. He'd spotted in this fine specimen of Norse manhood somebody he may be able to use to get rid of a certain dragon-shaped brother who had diddled him out of a lot of gold. When Regin left Theod to return home, he took Sigurd with him and became another adoptive father for the young man. Back in his own lands, Regin set about arming Sigurd for the task ahead. He forged for him a sword called Gram. The sword was so sharp that when Sigurd dangled it in the waters of the Rhine River, it sliced through a hank of wool which was dragged onto it by the current. Sigurd was mightily impressed and decided to give the magic blade a more stringent test. He raised the sword above his head and swung at Regin's anvil. Amazingly, the huge hunk of metal was sliced in two. Sigurd grinned. Use this sword to seek the treasure which is guarded by the dragon Fafnir, urged Regin. Sigurd agreed, but announced that he first must avenge his father's death by waging war on the sons of Hunding. King Hjalprek gave his stepson ships and a fine crew, and so Sigurd and Regin set off to find their enemies. Before long, they located Lingvi, the eldest of the sons of Hunding, and his three brothers. A great and bloody battle was fought, at which all four of the sons of Hunding were killed. Regin congratulated Sigurd on his fine and triumphant victory, and then urged him to go and kill Fafnir. Together, Regin and Sigurd travelled to Ganita Heath. They found what seems to be the tracks of a dragon which led down to a waterhole. This, they thought, must be where Fafnir goes to drink. They could hear the fiery breath of the dragon in its lair. It sounded far too scary to take on in its own surroundings, and Sigurd came up with a plan. He dug a pit under the tracks which led to the water and climbed into it. Then Regin covered him again so that no one could see he was buried there. There Sigurd would wait for Fafnir to crawl down to drink and stab him with Gram. Regin did his work and then left Sigurd to do his. The plan worked like a dream. Fafnir crawled from his lair and followed the exact same path to the water that he took every day. As he dragged himself over the pit where Sigurd was hidden, the young man thrust Gram upward. 
The blade pierced the heart of the dragon, and Fafnir knew the blow was fatal. He managed a few words. Who are you that's killed Fafnir? Sigurd was a bit superstitious, and didn't want to reveal his true name. If a dying man cursed him by name, then the curse he believed would have great power. I am motherless and fatherless. I am simply called Preeminent Beast. I can't believe you have no father or mother. Tell me your ancestry. Sigurd decided it was unlikely that Fafnir would have heard of his father, so he answered, Sigmund was my father, and I have killed you with my sword. Who has urged you to kill me? asked Fafnir. Why, I decided to do it myself. I am no prisoner, replied Sigurd. Well, I'll tell you one thing, said Fafnir. No good will come of it. This glowing gold and red treasure will be your death. I advise you, and please take this advice. Leave the gold where it lies, or it will destroy you. No, Fafnir, I will ride to where the gold lies, and you, Fafnir, may travel to hell. Regin betrayed me, and mark my words, he'll betray you too, replied the dragon. And now it's time for Fafnir to give up his life. You had the greater strength. Just as his name was mentioned, Regin returned. He saw the dragon breathe its last breath, and then watched as Sigurd cleaned Gram. Hail to you, Sigurd, he said. You've won a great victory. Of all the men raised on this earth, I think you are the least cowardly. Many a man is brave. Nobody really knows who is the least cowardly, replied Sigurd wisely. Regin seemed to take offence a little. Well, you're happy now. You dry Gram as my brother lies dead, but I brought it about. Yes, you dragged me over the sacred mountains, but this dragon would still have its life and its treasure if I hadn't come here to carry out this task, countered Sigurd. Regin didn't reply. Instead, he took his own sword, called Riddil, and cut out the heart of the dead dragon. When the former pumping organ had been removed, Regin drank the blood from the open wound. Then he handed the heart to Sigurd. I'm tired, he said. I'm going to have a little sleep. While I rest, will you roast this heart, and then I'll have another little drink of blood while I eat it. Sigurd muttered a few more things about how it had been his courage and strength which had won the day, and Regin threw back a couple more remarks about having the brains and the ability to make the fine sword which Sigurd had used to kill the dragon. Then the older man went off for a nap, and Sigurd took the heart and roasted it on a spit. When he thought it was done, he prodded it with his finger. Some blood spilled from the organ, letting Sigurd know it wasn't quite ready to be eaten. Absent-mindedly, he stuck his finger in his mouth and sucked the heart juices from it. In doing so, he consumed some dragon blood. As soon as the blood hit his tongue, he was able to understand the speech of birds. This led him to overhear a conversation between a group of nuthatches. The first nuthatch spoke. There sits Sigurd covered in blood, roasting Fafnir's heart on a fire. The destroyer of rings is wise, I think, if he eats the life-giving muscle. And the second replied, There lies Regin, full of plots. He wants to betray the boy who trusts him. We've heard the angry words he spoke. The evil smith will avenge his brother. A third nuthatch chipped in. He should chop off the head of the old sage and send him down to hell. Then he'll have all the gold, that heap which was under Fafnir. The fourth added, He'd be wise indeed if he knew how to hear, the advice of you, my sisters. If he thought about himself and made the raven happy, I think a wolf will be here when I see his ears. The fifth, though, hit the nail on the head. This warrior is not so wise as I thought a leader of men should be. If he lets one brother live, 
having taken the life of the other. A sixth bird agreed. He'd be foolish in the extreme if he lets live, the murderous enemy. Reagan plots against him and lies. Does he know how to be on his guard? And finally, a seventh nuthatch summed it up. He should leave his foe shorter by a head, and make him lose the rings. Then all of Fafnir's treasure would be under one man's control. Sigurd was alarmed. Muttering to himself about Regin's treachery, he took up Gram and strode over to his father figure. Without a second thought, he swung the sword made for him by his target and sliced off Regin's head. He drank the blood of both brothers, first Regin and then Fafnir. Then he listened again to the nuthatches. He heard them tell him to go to Fafnir's lair and collect up all of the gold. They told him he must travel to where King Yuki had a beautiful daughter. He must, they said, ask for her hand in marriage. And they told him something else. On the mountain of Hidarfell is a hall surrounded by flame. Wise men have created it from radiant river light. On the mountain, the Valkyrie sleeps, and the terror of Linden plays about her. Odin stabbed her with a thorn brought by a goddess, a different fighter from that he wanted. You will see the girl under the helmet, who rode away from battle on Vingskornir. Sigurdrifa's sleep may not be broken by anyone unless the Norns decree it. Sigurd listened and didn't really know what to make of what was being said about marriage and Valkyries. He knew exactly what to do about the part relating to the gold, though. He rode up to Fafnir's lair and collected every ingot, fine chain, bracelet and any other shiny trinket that he could find. He took the sword Haroti and the helmet of dread and a gold chainmail shirt. He loaded the lot into bags and hoisted the laden sacks onto his shoulders. Then he mounted his horse and rode away. Next time, we'll find out what happens after Sigurd rides off into the distance. Once again, before I go, I'd like to remind you that this chapter was brought to you by the Podbean podcast app. The app has many features which allow you to search for, listen to and even publish your own podcast. Go to the Google Play or Apple iTunes store, find it and download it. Get more from the podcast that you love. Okay, so have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.